0: Heavenly Father, we understand today that there is not a single thing that we face that heaven won't solve. And we thank you that when we get to heaven as we sang, no pain, no sorrow, no sickness, no death, nothing like that. And uh, we sing a song that says all is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. And we thank you for those that we love Who are already there experiencing that. And we thank you for the promise. For those of us who are alive and remain in the Lord. That we're going to experience it with them one day. And uh, we cannot thank you enough Lord Jesus. For coming to earth and living the life we could never live. Of absolute perfection. And then dying on the cross. And bearing the wrath of God that we could never bear taking the punishment for our sin. And we thank you, Lord, that on that third day, you rose from the dead because we could never conquer death. We could never conquer the grave. And we thank you that today, you were in heaven at the right hand of God the Father, waiting until that time when you are to return. And in the meantime, you're praying for us, even now, in all the things we're going through. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your power. And thank you for the hope that you give your children. Lord, we have had several things that have happened recently that just cause us to question why. We have things that shock us. Things that hurt us. Things that leave us bewildered. Lord, we don't know what to do except turn to you. And when we turn to you, we find that everything is under control. We find that you are the victorious warrior. We find that you are the one who is able to love us, care for us, be sympathetic toward us, minister to us, and help us to take another step. And I pray, Father, that you would do that for the Jeter family now and for all of the Tuts and all that they're going through. But Lord, I pray at the same time help us not to just see you as the God that we turn to in the midst of the big things because without you, our heart wouldn't beat. Without you, our lungs wouldn't take in air. Without you, we wouldn't get up this morning. Without you, we wouldn't have jobs, we wouldn't have food. Without you, we wouldn't enjoy this wonderful nation that you've given us. Without you, friendships would be nothing and, and uh, there'd be nothing but pain and sorrow and heartache. So Lord, we want to give you praise and thank you that you meet all of our needs, even the seemingly mundane, insignificant ones. And you also take care of us in the midst of the big things And we look at those things and say, we can't handle it. And the truth is, we can't handle anything. And so we turn to you. We ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. And we ask for the comfort of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to touch everybody's life. And we pray for everyone here and everyone watching online. You would meet the needs of their life to the glory and the praise of your name until we all get to heaven. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And if you agree, would you say amen? Amen. We are uh, turning in our Bibles this morning back to 1 Thessalonians. We're in the uh, 5th chapter, just about to be finished up. And we're going to talk about today, Until He Comes... Paul has been talking to the Thessalonian believers trying to straighten out some things that have been going on in their life. They were immature believers. Paul had only been there with them about a month when he had to leave because of persecution. And so the Thessalonians are sort of on their own. And they've grown a lot and they're very faithful, very faithful. Such a model church. But there are some things they don't know And some things they don't understand. Now they had been taught that one day Jesus is coming again. But when Paul is gone, they've lost their resource. And they don't have the book of Revelation or any other books to turn to. And so Paul writes them this letter (coughs) because some of them have been concerned. What about our loved ones who have died? Did they miss out on the coming of the Lord? Are they going to miss out on heaven? What is going to happen? So in chapter 4, Paul talks about the coming of the Lord for his church. And he talks about what some people call the rapture of the church. The gathering together of all believers living and dead to be with the Lord forever. And now we get into the fifth chapter. And you'll notice in the verses we're covering... He talks to believers, he talks to unbelievers, and you see a sharp contrast. For the believer, the coming of the Lord is something to be anticipated, something to look forward to. For the unbeliever, it's something to dread, it's something to be afraid of. Now, the other day I was listening to someone on the radio, and they talked about the current state of our nation. And they said that we're either going to collapse or we're going to reform. And then he said something that really intrigued me. He said, or we're at the end of times and Jesus is coming and we don't want that. Let that sink in. Then I thought about over the years how many times I've seen good Church people read the newspaper, watch the news, talk about things that are going on, and talk about it with such fear, with such dread, and everywhere they go and everywhere they look, they see prophecy. Some of them are weird things. They see things that are not in the Bible. My goodness. I remember back when Left Behind first came out. Tim LaHaye, when he wrote that, was going to write three books. What would they end up with? Like 2,000? I heard somebody when I was at a shepherd's conference at John MacArthur's church. And they said, Tim LaHaye knows more about the tribulation than the Apostle Paul. Tongue in cheek. And people read those things and watch those movies and they look at that and go, well, you know, the Lord's coming like a thief in the night, not for you. I think you'll see that as we read it. That's written to unbelievers. It sneaks up on them. It catches them like a thief in the night. But it's different for us. We're to be the ones that every day we say, What a beautiful day for the Lord to come again. We are the ones that are to say, even so, come, Lord Jesus. We're the ones that say what we just sang earlier. Let this be the day. Let this be the day. And so when we think about this, how are we to live, think, and act until the Lord returns? Let's go to 1 Thessalonians 5. We begin reading in verse 1. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1. Are you ready? Okay. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, believers, you have no need that I should write to you. Verse 2. For you yourselves know perfectly or completely That the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they, not believers, when they, the lost world, when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. What's it like? As labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape. But you... Brethren, are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. See what I mean? That's not written to us. That's a warning for the world. We know, we're aware, it should not overtake you as a thief. Why? Because you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch, pay attention, anticipate. Let us watch and be sober. And the word sober there doesn't mean that you have to be serious all the time, it means you're to be clear headed, uncontrolled. When a person is drunk, Their mind is controlled by alcohol. When they are sober, they're self-controlled. That's what Paul is talking about here. And so many people are drunk on prophecy sometimes. They're not thinking clearly. I remember reading a thing one time (coughs) that somehow killer bees coming into the United States from Mexico was a sign of the end times. I've looked all through my Bible. I don't see anything like that. And you know some people, every number, everything that goes on. Oh, back in the 70s, people would do numerology and they would say, Ha, Henry Kissinger is the Antichrist. I think he missed his opportunity, don't you? And all these different nutty, crazy things that come up. And yet so many times... Like in this case, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he doesn't say a word about the mark of the beast. He doesn't say anything about those things that trouble so many people. In fact, he intimates to them, I'm going to give you the basics of what you really need to know. Now, is there a lot more that could be studied, should be studied and understood? Oh, absolutely. But to go nuts on it, and to think that that's what I need to know, my question would be, why? Well, if I don't know it, then I can't avoid it. What are you trying to avoid? Right? Well, I might fall into the trap. No, you won't. He will hold me fast, as we sang. Okay? God's got this, and He knows what He's doing. And so many people try to figure out everything that's going on and get all of the details. Well, there's so much that we can know, but there's a lot that we are unable to really process and understand. I believe that it's laid out like this. 1 Thessalonians 4 could happen at any moment that we could hear the trumpet and the shout and all believers dead and alive will be taken out. And after that, there'll be a tribulation period. Jesus called it a time of mega or great tribulation. And that's when people will take the mark of the beast. There'll be a one world government, a one world religion, an economic system. And at the end of that, that the Lord is going to return and he is going to conquer the world and rule and reign on the earth for a thousand years and then create a new heaven And a new earth for all of us. That's it in a nutshell. But how much of that do you control? How much of that does the president control? How much of that does any king anywhere control? And you know what I'll answer and say? Goose egg. That's all in the hands of the Lord. Well, isn't that the devil's work? Yes, he will be unrestrained. But even then... He can only do what the Lord allows him to do and has prophesied that he will do. And so there's a part of this where I want to say, hey, church, just relax. You're not going to change anything. You're not going to mess up anything. And according to what Paul said to the Thessalonians, listen carefully, you ain't going to miss anything. Why? He's got it taken care of. So here's what we want to say today until he comes. Here's a word for believers and the word for believers is what we find in our first point. Don't fear don't fear but be faithful. Don't fear but be faithful. Now you've heard it said even before I came here that the world is growing dark and to that, we can certainly say amen, right? It's not getting better. It's getting worse. Things are more out in the open than ever before. Things that even a decade ago, that you and I would have said, well, that'll never happen. It's happening. It's happening. And we go, oh, no, what's happening? Everything's getting worse. Well, here's the deal. It's getting dark, but it's getting wonderfully and gloriously dark the bible says very clearly in the latter days perilous times shall come well do you believe that we're in the latter days yes i do how close are we i have no idea no idea that's not for me or for you to know be careful of anybody who sets dates her claims to have special revelation visions dreams whatever that give them more insight no we go to the scripture we go to the word of God and we don't need to know any more than the scripture reveals and we certainly don't want to know any less than what the scripture reveals and so we are to anticipate this and we are to look at it not with dread not with fear not with anything like that but with anticipation. What is our responsibility? Simply what you already know, just to be faithful until he comes. Think of all the parables that Jesus told that had the idea of being found faithful when the master returns. And that's a big deal. It's not about are you a premillennialist, are you a postmillennialist, I can't say that, or an amillennialist or any of those things. The main thing is going to be this, whatever you are, whatever you're thinking, whatever you're understanding, good or bad, right or wrong about all of this, ignorant or informed, whatever it may be, the big big question is simply this, will you be found faithful when the Lord returns? That's the overarching teaching of Scripture about the second coming, not to decode it, but to be faithful faithful in the meantime in fact this kind of thing came up earlier just before Jesus was ascended Acts chapter 1 verses 6 through 8 look what's on the disciples mind and look at what Jesus says in response so when they had come together they asked him Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel sound like today yeah Sound like a lot of believers? When is this going to happen? Is this the time? Is this when it's going to? Oh, this, it must be close. What did Jesus say to them? And by the way, if there were no kingdom restored to Israel, this would have been a perfect time for the Lord to tell them. He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons. Hey, that's what Paul said. He used that same phrase, didn't he? Those same words. It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed. Notice that. It's not fluid. It's not coming and going and the Lord says, Oh, I'm going to have to come back. Oh, oh no, things have calmed down. I think I'll wait. It's not like that at all. That the Father has fixed by his own authority. The devil's not in control of this. The Antichrist is not in control of this. The nations are not in control of this. The Father is doing it. And He has fixed it. There is a time coming. And you don't change it. I don't change it. It's going to happen. It's under His authority. But then notice He says something strange. Not for you to know the times or the seasons. That the Father is fixed by His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. What? Lord, talk about missing the point. That wasn't the question. We wanted to know, is this the time now that you've been raised from the dead, are you going to do all of those things that you promised in the Old Testament? And Jesus said, That's none of your business. But you shall be witnesses to me. Wait a minute. I didn't ask about witnessing. I didn't ask about what I was supposed to tell people about the gospel or anything like that. I wanted to know what I wanted to know. And it's as if the Lord is saying to them, don't worry about it. You can't figure it out anyway. But here's what you do. Instead of sitting around having all of your Prophecy studies. Instead of sitting around and figuring out, are we within five years of the Lord's return? That type of thing. Why don't you get busy and just go tell people about Jesus? Why don't you get busy with world missions? Why don't you get busy making sure that the nations are hearing about this one who is returning? Instead of being fixated on his return, be fixated on the person who is returning and all of the people worldwide and some very close to you who need to know and they need to be warned. And Jesus said, You're getting off into things that you don't have any authority in, that you can't understand anyway, and you're ignoring what the command is. Here is your assignment. Quit worrying about the things you don't know and get busy telling people about the things you do know. Jesus is the only way to heaven and He is returning. And we need to share the good news of Christ. Let that sink in. When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When is the last time you handed out a tract? When is the last time you prayed and agonized over somebody that was lost? When is the last time that you intentionally took the gospel to somebody and you looked for ways to share the gospel and to have input into their life? That's job one. That is your assignment. And that's what you want to be found faithfully doing when the Lord returns. Okay? So that's the first thing that we think about for the believer. Don't be fearful. This is nothing to be afraid of, but be found faithful in the meantime. But there's a second thing here, and look at this denial, the only way unbelievers can cope. Nobody, nobody expects their house to be broken into. By a thief. Now we all know it's possible, but I'll guarantee you, anybody where there's a home invasion or something today, and uh, maybe somebody goes home from church. Hopefully, it's not you. They go home from church today, and somebody has kicked in their door, and their jewelry's gone, their TV is gone, their electronics is gone, and everything is just, you know, a mess. Nobody's going to go home and go, "Yeah, well, I knew this was going to happen today." They never do that, do they? They're shocked. Now, they had an alarm system, so they knew it was a possibility, but they're shocked whenever it happens. Why? Because a thief is always two things to think about. Unwelcome, right? And unexpected. You really don't think it's going to happen. It could, but it probably won't like a guy I was talking to one time who was a chain smoker aren't you afraid of cancer not really well we all know and it says on the cart- on the uh, pack of cigarettes <coughs> the warning from, surgeon, from the surgeon general have you seen anybody die from smoking or anything like that I have it's a terrifying thing Quit it if you do it. Quit it. It's not worth it. And yet, what do they do? Well, you know, preacher, I had a grandpa and he smoked six packs a day. And he died at 92. Well, That doesn't mean you are. And that doesn't mean you're going to beat the odds. What is that? It's living in a state of denial. We know what we ought to do, and we don't do it. Did you exercise any this last week? Well, I know I should, but, well, you know, the things came up and the weather and all of that, okay? We all do that, don't we? How'd you eat last week? Well, not the way that I should. Well, you probably ought to quit that. Yeah, I know, I'm going to do that, and that's one of my New Year's resolutions, you know anybody that, have you ever noticed the commercials? Right after Christmas, they go from pies and cakes and cookies and restaurants and gifts and Santa and celebrating to gym membership. Right away. How long do you suppose that lasts? Everybody signs up in January and they cancel before March. Why? Because we live in a state of denial. And so many things and so Many ways. In the lost world. They are experts in this. Because there's not a one of them out there. That if you ask them. They know they're going to die. But they think it's a long time off. And whenever it touches their life. We all get hit with what? Shock. And denial. This can't be true. The five stages of grief. The Kubler-Ross Five stages of grief (coughs) those type of things they hit us like that when it's something that we all know we're shocked when the doctor says I've got bad news it's cancer it's a heart uh, situation when I went in to see my heart surgeon I've told you before I went in and I was doing so much better I really thought he was going to say no surgery needed at this point And when he comes in and he says, I looked at your echocardiogram, I didn't like what I saw, we're going to have to replace that valve, that stuns you. Why? It wasn't that I didn't know it was a possibility, but I was living in some denial about the possibility. The world is an expert in all of that, and that's why the thief is coming unwelcomed and unexpected. So go talk to your neighbors. Here, I just wanted to ask you a question. By the way, here's a plate of cookies for your trouble. Are you excited about the thought that Jesus is going to come again? And you ought to listen to them and hear what they have to say. Because you're going to find so many delusions about the whole situation. And so Paul is saying for the unbeliever, this is going to hit boom. They're not, going to expect, they're not going to expect it. In fact, they're going to be saying, hey, we finally found world peace. We finally figured out our energy problems. We finally have got everything settled and it's all put together. Oh, this is glorious. Boom! And That's how it's going to happen from their perspective. And we ought to be thinking about that because the only hope they have is the gospel Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And why are we like the Simon and Garfunkel song. The church today is just engaged in the sounds of silence. We're quiet. We're not really talking. We're afraid somebody might think we're a freak. We're a weirdo. They're going to think something like that. When our assignment is to be witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's move on down and think about this third part third part of this Uh, number three is comfort the lord is returning Uh, but you brethren are not in darkness that this day should overtake you as a thief why because we should be expecting it every day we ought to have it on our minds this could be the day that i meet the lord it could be the day of your last day on earth and angels escort you from here into the presence of the Lord. Can you imagine what that must be like? It also could be the day that the Lord Jesus sounds the trumpet and the shout of the archangel, first Thessalonians 4, and we're taken out, and thus shall we ever be with the Lord. That is a signless event. There's nothing that has to be fulfilled. There's nothing that has to happen. The other signs that are in there are about the coming at the end of the tribulation. Okay? So for you and for me, we're to be ready at all times. You've heard in history of the minute men back in the American Revolution to be ready at a minute's notice if they're called to battle. Well, we're to be minute men as well. In fact, we're to be Second men, I guess you could say, ready at any second for the Lord to come. So we don't put on white robes and go stand on top of a mountain and wait for the Lord to come and neglect our families and quit our jobs and all of that kind of foolishness. No, but we live every moment for the glory of God. Go to school, young people, for the glory of God. Go to work, older people, for the glory of God. Be with your family for the glory of God. Celebrate holidays for the glory of God. Give and receive gifts for the glory of God. Fellowship together for the glory of God. Gather in church. Sing his praises for his glory. Listen to his word for his glory. Take yourself out of the picture. He'll make sure you're taken care of if you'll focus on him because you've got to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and then all these things will be added unto you. And so somebody said one time that when you see a grave marker, a tombstone, you see the date of birth and the date of death. But what really matters is the dash in between. What are you doing with the time that the Lord has given you? And do you interpret all the trials of life in light of the second coming of Christ? Because someday every problem you have is going to be solved. One of these days, every heartache you have is going to be over with. One day, every burden that you bear is going to be lifted for eternity. One of these days, all of the doubts that you have are going to vanish and be vanquished because you're going to know even as you are known. And so when you think about that and you read about crime, you read about riots, you read about corruption, you read about moral failures, you read about all of these kind of things, and your mind ought to go. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. Oh no! That's the way we act. We're spiritually schizophrenic. What a day. Glorious day that will be. That's what you're supposed to do. Comfort one another with these words, Paul said. And then we think about the fact that as we are living in the light, even though the world is in the darkness, Colossians 1 12 through 14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You're not stumbling in the darkness, you're in the light. You see, for you, it's different than the world because for the world, he's coming like a thief, unexpected and unwelcome. Not for you. You expect him. You know he's coming. You're ready for it. And you welcome the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ because you're in the light. Now look, it says he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen to that. That's the word of God. That's not my word. That's the word of God. That's the promise of God. You are already in his kingdom. You just don't know it yet. You don't feel it yet. You don't experience all the benefits of it yet. Oh, but there is coming a day. And we are in a new kingdom. And here we are with new life that we've been given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this, of course, is our comfort. The Lord is returning. The Lord is coming back. And in the meantime, he is here With us. Indwelling us. We're never alone. And so we anticipate it. And we disturb people who are sleeping. You ever notice how people don't like you to turn on a light when they're asleep? They don't like you to make noise when they're asleep. And for the world. They're snoozing away. They're drunk. They're out of it. And you're bugging the snot out of them. Right? What's wrong with you? Be quiet. Keep your mouth shut. Don't shine any light over here. What are you doing? No wonder they don't like it. But yet it's the only hope that they have. And we want them to know that comfort. And so our responsibility is the last thing here is just to be ready. So let us not sleep. We're not the world as others do. But let us watch and be sober. Sober. Sleep means to be indifferent. Seeking our own comfort. Not really caring about anything else. We're just distracted. But The Bible says we are to watch. Gregoreo is the word there, by the way. That's my name. Pay attention. Be aware of issues. Be aware of people around you. People who will suddenly be jolted out of their own coma at the coming of the Lord. But it'll be too late. Tell the story. And so we go back to Acts chapter 1 verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? We want answers. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times. Times you can put on a calendar. Season, that's kind of the general uh, characteristic of the ages that the Father is fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Just be faithful. Will you? First of all, will the coming of the Lord be a good thing or a terrifying thing to you? And if it's terrifying, then I invite you today to repent of your sins. Turn from yourself, your self-goodness, self-worth, self-trust, self-religion, all of those kind of things. And transfer your trust to the one who is worthy of it, the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust Him that He died on the cross and He paid for all of your sins on the cross. And hold you secure In his forgiveness. And in his grace. That he rose from the dead. Conquered the grave. And that he's coming back again. And put your full trust in him. And him. This is a very important word. Him alone. For your salvation. And then you don't have anything to fear. Well what if he comes tomorrow? Then you'll go. What if he comes 500 years from now? Then you'll die. And you'll go to heaven. And you'll wait For that day when your body is called out of the grave. But living or dead you'll be with the Lord in heaven. And for those of you who are believers. I just have a question for you. It's fine to want to know the ins and outs and the details. And to understand Bible prophecy. Not against that. It's in the Bible. But my big question is is this. Are you more interested in that than you are souls? Are you more excited about that? Then you are seeing people come to know Christ. Because if you are. Then you won't be found faithful. When he returns. And at the time he returns. I really do not expect. That when I go up in the rapture. I'm going to look at my millennial friends and go. Well you were wrong. Do you think that will even matter at that point? It's going to be Jesus. It's going to be Jesus. And that's where our focus ought to be the author and the finisher of our faith and everything we go through in life, good and bad, the joys and the trials, an opportunity to be Acts 1-8 faithful in the power of the Spirit to share the life-giving gospel with other people for the glory of the Lord. Will you be found faithful? A little boy in the Old West on an old steam engine going across the southwest heading toward California. Can you imagine (coughs) a more uncomfortable mode of travel? Slow. Hot. Stopping at every little town. Stopping to take on water. Chugging along. And when you think about back in the old days... Those clothes that they wore, I mean, you run around in the heat of summer where you have mostly air conditioning in all the buildings and in your car, and you still wear shorts and a t-shirt and go, oh, it's so incredibly hot, my goodness. What if you had to dress like they did in the 1800s on a train that had no air conditioning? And they're going along, and oh, it's slow. And they're going across the desert, and they'd stop every once in a while and have to fill back the tank of water and all of that. And the little boy noticed the adults are getting grumpier and grumpier and grumpier. We do that when we get older, don't we? Get off my lawn! Right? (laughs) Right? But the old people noticed that the little boy was smiling bigger every day. And finally, a lady said to him, Little boy, why are you so happy? This is a rough trip. And he goes, Oh, yeah, it is. It's hotter than I thought it would be. It's longer than I thought it would be. It's harder than I thought it would be. But you don't understand, when we get to California... My father is waiting for me at the station, and I get to see my father. Now, I want you to think that's a metaphor for life. For some of you, it's longer than you ever thought it would be. For some, it's much shorter. But here's the problem. We focus on all of the hardships of life instead of focusing on who's waiting for us at the destination of our life. And that is our father because of the grace Of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Are you ready? And if you are. Are you faithful? To do what Jesus said to do. In the context of the second coming of Christ. And the kingdom. What are we supposed to do? Share the gospel. Everywhere we can. I challenge you. I challenge you. To do that. And take advantage of the times. Share your faith. With other people. Let's pray. Lord, as we close this out, we ask you to bless us. We're hurting right now. We're bewildered by certain things. And yet at the same time, Lord, through Sid's passing, you were giving us such a marvelous opportunity to share what really matters, that we all are going to die. And after that, the judgment will either be in heaven or hell. And what a great opportunity to take the trials of life and to turn it on the devil and say, instead of discouraging me, you're firing me up because Jesus is the only answer. And people are going to be asking questions. And people are going to be bewildered. And we're going to have the opportunity of a lifetime to tell them about Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean we don't hurt. That doesn't mean that Sid's family is not hurting And we don't want to run past that. Bless them and help them. But Lord, in the midst of all of this, let us see your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Amen.